Welcome into the post-game drink about 10-15 minutes later than we probably anticipated starting after a 41-34 Missouri loss in overtime at Boston College. A game that I had about four to five different ideas for a post-game column and how to start this show and they all kind of went out the window because here's where I landed and I don't think this is going to go over well, but I think it's it's the truth. Football, more often than not, comes down to one team making one more play than the other team. We look for blame. Look, Missouri's run defense isn't good. Connor Bazelak made a, a bad throw in overtime. He made at least two bad throws during the day. Um, Kiki Chisholm... Almost made a phenomenal defensive play to knock that ball away. But in the end, these are two teams that are incredibly close. They're very evenly matched under second-year head coaches who are trying to build programs. And one of them made one more play than the other one did. Dennis Grossell made a throw on third and six into the corner of the end zone that went for the game-winning touchdown. Connor Bazelak made a throw on first and 10 into the corner of the end zone that was an interception that ended the game. I I don't know. Um, I, I understand why people are upset with the loss. There are a lot of things to criticize and, and all that. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to all that. But in the end, this came down to Boston College made one more play than Missouri did. And that's... That's the line between uh, between winning and losing games. I, I mean, it's one play. Uh, and Missouri didn't make it today. So, it's it's not fun. It doesn't feel good. Missouri's 2-2 two and two in a season that I think most people thought they were going to start 3-1, and one, but... They were. They've lost two games, and they both came down to the same thing. The other team just made one more play. I know we want to analyze and break it down and find blame, and we will. Like, I trust me, we will. Over the next couple hours, when we're taking calls, we're gonna. I'm sure analyze every single angle of this. But there's no. The answer is pretty simple. Boston College made a play and Missouri didn't. I mean, it it really comes down to that. Let's take a look at it real quick. We'll we'll look at the final box score and some of the numbers before we uh, we open up the phone lines. Bazelak thirty for forty one three oh three. That part's solid. One touchdown, two picks. Not good. And I'm not sure why an offense that has very little ability to throw the ball downfield is relying on a downfield throw on the first play of overtime. It's fair to question that. It's the first thing I thought before he even threw the ball. I thought, why? Why are you going for the end zone on first down? I, I don't. You don't need it. Just, just you're at the twenty-five. Keep doing what got you there, which is conservative dink and dunk offense. It worked. All you've got to do is make about four plays and you're in the end zone from the 25-yard line. I didn't understand going there, but we'll get into that. Uh, Tyler Beatty, 18 for 72, two touchdowns on the ground. He caught five passes, 34 yards. 
Only 106 total yards, but look, that's pretty good because BC clearly came into this game saying if we lose, it's not because Tyler Beatty beat us. Uh, that's that's my opinion. On the other side, Pat Garwo, 25 for 175. You take away the 67-yard touchdown run, and he still had 100 yards on the day. BC runs 49 times for 275. Actually, Missouri's yards per carriage carry average went down significantly they were allowing 6.3 per carry coming into this game zay flowers eight for 62 not a huge game but effective including the game-winning touchdown um so there are the numbers they're not pretty um, other than 275 run defense i don't know that they're hideous the big number here is at the bottom Two turnovers to one. It was the difference in the game. Connor Bazelak made two. Well, he made more than two bad throws because the first throw to Barrett Bannister on the drive where Mevis hit the 56-yard field goal was uh, that was a bad throw too. But he made two throws that cost him, um, and they they cost him bigly, as they say. Uh, so look, there's a million ways to go with this, but I'd rather hear from you guys. I want to know what you're thinking. So before you call in, there's the number on the screen. Before you call in, there are two things you need to do. Number one, turn down whatever you're listening to the show on. If it's your phone, if it's your computer, wherever you're listening, please turn the volume down on that so I'm not hearing an echo of myself. Number two, we are probably going to have multiple calls at once. I will call out your area code when it's your turn to talk. When I call out your area code, and if it's a common one like 314, 573, whatever, I might have to call out some more numbers, then please talk. But silence yourself while you're waiting. I will get to you as quickly as I can. I think we'll probably have a decent number of people that want to talk about this one. So you may have to wait for a few minutes. And and um, I'd appreciate if you can try to keep the background noise to a minimum. Um, we just had a call and it, I don't know, it, it went away. So uh, feel free to call back. Here we go. All right. I got the first call from the 309 area code. Who am I talking with? Is this uh, Gabe again? This is Gabe. What's up? Who am I talking to? Uh, Dick Wiley. What's up, Dick? I talked to you last week. Yes. About the game. Yes, we spoke last week. What's going on? Um, I was a little off about the points, but uh, yeah, I mean, I was getting a right that our defense didn't show up. Yeah, they don't have a great um, defense, that's for sure. It's a little embarrassing that... Uh, it's a little embarrassing that they rush the field against a non-ranked SEC team. Yeah, it seems weird to rush the field. I agree, um, but also that's kind of the ballad of the, lo the the loser that says, "Well, look at the stupid thing they did after they beat us." I mean, I get it. I don't get. I don't know that Missouri's a team worthy right now of rushing the field, but hey, they haven't had a lot no, to celebrate. I don't think it is worthy enough. I mean, it was also amazing where he hit that 57-yarder field goal. Like, yep. I can't complain about that. And it got us real excited in the stands. Like I told you, me and my buddies came down for the game, and we were in the Boston College section, and okay. it was a great game to come down to. I mean, I'm not regretting it. Yeah. But I just don't understand uh, how, yeah, how you can uh, – how you can rush the field against a non-ranked SEC team who already had one loss? Yeah, it's a little weird. Maybe they were uh, maybe they were boozing it up, man. Maybe they were maybe they were feeling good after the game. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I agree. They must not have the same uh, the same fines as uh, normal SEC fines uh, for rushing the field. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to cost them twenty five thousand dollars. I agree with that. Yeah. So, but I know I I, I told you I'd keep you uh, updated on it, and uh, I just want to keep you up to date. Um, and yeah, we had a good time, Boston. I mean, couldn't ask for a better of a game. It went OT, and I mean, Mizzou definitely had their highlights, and we definitely had their downfalls. And I think it's our defense can't keep up with it, but. Um, no, it was a good game to go to. Well, awesome. I'm glad you had fun, Dick. Hope the uh, hope the evening's good in Boston, man. It will be good. It will be good. I'll uh, tell you that. All right. No, all right. Good talk to you, though. Sounds good. Have a good one, man. Thanks. All right. Let's go all to right, the uh, let's let's go next to the six three six area code. Who who's there from six three six? Hey, Gabe. What's up? It's Josh. What's up, Josh? How you doing, man? Pretty good. Hope you are as well. A um, few concerns that I have today. Um, one, you know, Connor Baselak, I, I'm always back and forth on him because a part of me feels like that, you know, we should be thankful for the play that he gives us because he's stable a lot of the time and a lot of teams would kill for that game manager type of quarterback, especially in the SEC. But at the same time, like the sample size of him not being able to complete a pass that's like 10 yards or more it becomes bigger every game like it wasn't just the throws on the last uh drive game i mean there was the um there was the one earlier in the game when he threw the pass towards the ground and when he had a guy wide open and then there was yeah. one to Barrett banister on the sideline that was completed for a loss of yards there was one straight to the defender on his first pick and it's just like you know, I, I, you got to have more awareness than that, and he looks afraid to run at times. Yeah, I, I'd like to see him run more. So this is the column that I thought I was going to write in the third quarter, and I may still write it, and it is mm -hmm. this is a very conservative offensive game plan. Um, how much of that is the quarterback and what Drinkwitz thinks he can do, and how much of that is not having really anybody but Tyler Beatty that makes big plays? Um, you know, Lovett and Cooper quite obviously aren't there yet. Um, but this is an offense that it has to be almost perfect because they have to go down the field six yards at a time. And that, that gets very, very difficult to do. At some point, you're probably going to make a mistake. And, and Missouri did a couple times and just often enough to beat them. Um, I, it's hard to criticize the offense too much, but it is an offense that has to win in a very specific way. And I saw a lot of people making Alex Smith comparisons, and I get it. And some of that Alex Smith criticism is unfair because he won a lot of football games, but mm -hmm. I, I do get the comparison. Uh, is he's a good quarterback, but we haven't yet seen him take quite the step that I think a lot of people wanted him to see come wanted to see him make coming into year two. Yeah, I totally agree. My second thought though, I mean at this point we have to accept what the defense is. This is a team that's probably going to have to win games through its offense for the rest of the year. The defense probably isn't going to get fixed this year. It's probably not even going to be fixed next year either. I mean they got a long way to go. But I feel again, I reiterate this every week. I feel like putting all the blame on Steve Wilkes. I mean, he's 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 dialing up complicated blitz packages. He, I mean, he's making the adjustments he can make. But when you have 
defenders that straight up aren't making tackles or yeah. I just there's not much you can do. They don't have the talent as of right now. We said that heading into the year that there was a concern they didn't have talent and now our thoughts are just confirmed and I feel like it's a little foolish to put it on the DC. And one more thing that I'll attach to that is uh looking at the schedule, if the, if people thought this is a team that was gonna win eight or nine games, uh I said you have to win either one of the Boston College or Kentucky games. Those yeah. are the two probably biggest toss up games on your schedule. You had to go one and one in those games and they went oh and two. And now I think best case scenario is probably about seven wins. Yeah, eight's out the window to me. Eight's not doable anymore. Seven and five's the ceiling and I understand people that think they might not get there. Um on the defense look <laughs> You don't fire your coordinator four weeks in, right? Um, is it right. is it all scheme? Certainly not. Is it all talent? Probably not. I mean, it is a coach's job to find things his team can do well. But, I mean, this, the 67-yard touchdown run, there was a long thread on our board about it during the game. Ish Burdine mm. missed a tackle three yards downfield. Um, the the touchdown run that, that ended up, you know, putting BC up 34-31. Jalen Carlise is there at the two-yard line. And the dude ran him over and ran into the end zone. Now, that's a tough play. I'm not blaming Carlisle for it. But, right. I, you know, I mean, that's not a scheme thing. That's a – the guys in – and I, the position that, that I think is the biggest concern, at least right now, because the guys to fix it aren't on the roster, is defensive tackle. I mean, I was watching Kobe Whiteside and Akeel Byers just moved – I'm not talking a little bit. I'm talking move four yeah. and five yards out of the way on these plays. And – you know, Makai Wingo in a year or two, maybe. Um, Darius Robinson when he gets healthy, I, I don't know, maybe. It wasn't the first two games, but maybe. Realist George when he gets a little more comfortable, maybe. But the the guys that are the older, experienced guys right now, I, they're not the guys to get it done in the middle. Yeah, I mean, and I always go back to last year, too. And, and again, I'm not saying that, like, Ryan Walters, they shouldn't have fired him or that he's the better guy or anything. But, like, there were times last year people were going, man, Ryan Walters, he's doing a terrible job with this defense. They had Drake Heismeyer, fresh, true yeah. freshman offensive tackle, playing DT at that point in the season. There's just not much you can do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's the coordinator is always the favorite target. It's easier to blame coaches than players, and and I'm not saying the coaches deserve no blame. But one thing I did like out of Steve mm -hmm. Wilkes, uh, when when BC went up, I don't, it was about, I think it was when Missouri made it 27-24. BC's next offensive series, Steve Wilkes put eight guys in the box and blitzed on two of the three plays. Missouri got a three and out, got the ball back, and went up. Like if we're gonna complain mm -hmm. about everything that went wrong, gotta he deserves credit. credit for that. You know, so yep. yeah, totally agree with you, Josh. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Gabe, and I'll let you move on to the next person. All right, sounds good. Thanks a lot, man. Let's go to the uh, 404 area code next. Who's uh, who's there from the 404? You still with me? Okay, no dice. We got a. I think we got a couple calls from the 573. So if your number ends in uh, 7455, go ahead. Yeah, Gabe, I was just, uh, my observation was I think Drink is trying to get some uh, increased interest uh, in, in uh, high school football in Missouri by proving to middle school players that they can play in the SEC after watching this defense. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are there. I, I think that's probably um, a little bit false. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that's the goal. I think they, 
I mean, look, they're lacking guys, especially on the defensive line. We talked about this after the Kentucky game. A whole bunch of guys came back and were super seniors on the defensive line. You know why those guys came back? Because they weren't getting drafted. They weren't going to the NFL. So this was their best option to come back and, and play another year here. And, you know, I, I don't um, – I'm not trying to insult any of those guys, but like I said, Kobe Whiteside was getting moved off the ball. Um, Darius Robinson was getting moved off the ball before, before – uh, Uh, I just disappeared, I think. Can you guys hear me? Okay, you can hear me. I'm not sure you can see me. Um, we're having some technical issues yeah, here. I'm going to put up the box score and attempt to uh, kind of fix those. But uh, it, uh, it'd be nice to see us make a little more progress in year two a drink. That's really what I was Okay, guys, we are drinks. clearly having some technical issues. Hang on. I will, uh, I will get this fixed. You're going to have to give me just a minute. Um, we had a problem with our camera, and we now still have a problem with our camera. So you're going to have to give me just a minute to fix this. And I'm going to put up the intro screen. I'm going to go on mute, and I will be back as quickly as I can. All right. Hey, we're back. Sorry about that, guys. Hope everybody is still uh, sticking with us. If you are on hold, I'm going to get to you in just a minute. Um, but we do appear to be back and functional, so that is good news. Uh, had a little uh, had a little technical issue. So I'm getting to the phone lines now. I'm just going to start going through it. Uh, we Okay, next call from 573. Uh, are you there with me still through our issues? Five seven three area code, you there? Okay, nobody from the five seven three four one seven. You with me? Yeah, Gabe. Hey, it's Tucker from Joplin. What's up, Tucker? How you doing, man? Good, man. Actually, in Boston right now. Um, so, pardon the background noise. Walking back from the game. Um, couple quick thoughts. Um, like, I know it's. Every fan always like wants to 
you know, think you should go for it every fourth down. But, right. you know, this day and age of the metrics, a lot of times that proves to be true. Like last week, um, you know, the Chiefs game, like John Harbaugh did the right thing by going for it on fourth down. It wasn't some gutsy decision. Right. So this is more of like an overview. And I think Drink like, has a specific plan when he manages the game. I really do. But with this defense, it's got a long way to go just to get to be bad. It's horrendous. Yeah. So don't you think overall he needs to be more aggressive on fourth down? And that's something I think that as we go through the season, people are going to ask him about because I just think – I don't think Drink – you know, I know, it's, I know it's tough to be this perfect on offense, which is what they have to be right now. But they've got to start being more aggressive on fourth down. In general, I agree. Is there a specific time from today's game you've got in mind? Because I, I, nothing jumps to my head where they had like a fourth and short that they didn't go for. I, I could be forgetting. So, well, so here's what happened, I think, once. And it happened again. It happened in a Kentucky game, I believe. There's times I think that he's like at fourth and four. Mm-hmm. Or fourth and less than five. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Third and five or less. And I think he goes for it on or on third down, he runs the play to try to get closer on fourth. Right. So this is me just interpreting this. I think he's planning on going for it on fourth. But in a couple times I've thought of, they've either like lost yards or got nothing on third down, so he then punts it on fourth. But I think he needs to just stay aggressive. I, I mean, it, it depends on the situation. The one you're talking about today, I think, because I thought the same thing. They had a third and five, and they handed it off to Beatty, and I thought that's weird. Why do you do that? He lost a yard. I think the idea was have Beatty get three, be in fourth and two, and we're going for it. He lost a yard there in fourth and six, and he said, I don't have a play. I feel good about fourth and six. So they were going to punt, but then they got a penalty on BC. Yeah, but I, I think the same thing. I think he, he called the third down play to set up a fourth down. But, I mean, yeah. When if, you, if you're kind of already in that mindset, why not just look at it like I have two downs to get five yards you know, like throw it twice instead or something. Well, be, again, in that situation, if you throw on third down and you're incomplete, then you're facing fourth and five, and maybe you don't feel good about fourth and five. You know, I mean, I, I agree with you overall. He has All coaches should take more chances than they do. Just in that specific situation today, it worked out. But I, I, once they were in fourth and six, I thought it was the right call to punt. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And then, and then I didn't love the um, – Twice now that Mizzou's gone for like a big play when I didn't think they needed it. Once was at Kentucky, which I remember you agreed on that, on the, yep. the long play to Mookie Cooper on that last drive. And then today on first and 10 from the 25, yep. like, I don't know, like, if they score a touchdown there, it looks like a great play, but like a 50-50 ball there. And I'm sure, like, there was more to it than that. I'm sure that wasn't the only read on the, the throw that they gave me. But I don't know. Also, no, I, 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 I totally I agree like with I'm you. Down on All right, Gabe, I'll let you go. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it, Tucker. Thanks a lot for the call, man. And uh, and I'm getting to you guys that are on hold. We're going to start in the 573 area code. You still with me? Yeah, I'm still here. All right. Uh, who am I talking to? Hey, this is Mike. What's up, Mike? Um, How you doing? Uh, not good. Just, you know, same old <laughs> Mizzou, just a coach that talks a lot better than other coaches. I mean, that's how I feel. Um, unfortunately, Arkansas – with their fifth-year seniors are, are ranked and, and, and playing good defense and playing good ball. I mean, and, and Mizzou is, you know, basically not that at all and, and very, very suspect on, on defense, and it's just frustrating because next year's schedule is not going to be any better. 
and we're supposed to be all hyped up because of the recruits, but I don't see any on the field. Well, I mean, I, it's just yeah, it, it's to the point that, you know, next season's going to get worse, and Mizzou's not known for winning, so get out of the SEC then. Join the Big Ten. At least you can compete then. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, people wonder why fans don't go to the games when it's the same old Mizzou every week. You're going to lose. I'm not going to spend my money. I'm done. You know, it's just so frustrating. You just have a good coach that can talk. I, I understand. I, mean, I understand there has being to be some improvement year two, and there's not. It, it, the defense is worse than it was last year. I but Arkansas is doing way better. I mean, it's just it's just pathetic. It, it really is. I mean, it's just really frustrating, and I'm probably overreacting. But you should. I mean, a team just ran down your throat and and the whole third quarter and couldn't stop them. I mean, it's the worst defense I've ever seen. That's all I got to leave off on that one. See you, Gabe. All right, Mike. I appreciate it, man. I, I think uh, I think I think Mike just wanted wanted to talk. I, I don't think he wanted to, wanted a whole lot of feedback. So we're good with that. Let's go to the four hundred four area code. You still there? Anybody from the four hundred four? All right, we got one more from five seven three. You on the line with me? It sounds like we lost a decent number of people uh, during my uh, little technical snafu. So, if you want to call back, uh, call back. I'm happy to uh, happy to take your calls. Nine one three. You there now? All right. Uh, phone lines are open, guys. If you want to call in, uh, look. So I, I do want to. Mike didn't really want to want to talk to me. All right. Let's go to the three oh nine area code. Is who's on the phone? Hey, Gabe, it's Dalton. How are you? What's up, Dalton? How are you, man? Uh, good. I'm not as mad as Mike. Yeah. I'm not drunk either. So. I'm not sure. I'm not sure uh, Mike was <laughs> mad. I think he was just down. He was. He he seemed quite quite sad about things. Yeah, I mean, you know, here's one thing I would love to see if you have time, you or anybody to write about is really not yards per carry, but yards at first contact. Because yeah. like you, I saw so many times where the first time the linebacker, defensive end, say it doesn't matter, hit their running back, especially the uh, the main back, had to be a right around four to five yards. Yeah. And I know everybody wants to say, you know, the commentators have so much influence on, like, how people perceive the game. And they're going, well, they're in a one-gap scheme. It's like, well, 90% of college football teams have to play one gap because they don't have a 6'3", 340-pounder like Georgia or Alabama does. So everybody's playing one gap. And it's like, it doesn't really matter the gap if you're getting blown off the ball. Right. And so what do you want to do? You want to play two gap and you want to have your six foot, 290 pound defensive tackle now go against two gaps instead of one. I guess there's just this perception out there is that this is an NFL defense. It's not an NFL defense. It's a very basic defense. And like the chiefs the other day, it's like, Hey, if you can't stop the run on just going straight North and South, you're not going to have a lot of success. I don't care if it's the NFL or if it's high school. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and the the yards before contact, I know in the Kentucky game, I know Chris Rodriguez averaged 3.2 yards before he was touched. Uh, that's obviously ridiculous because it means you're going to average at least five yards a carry. Uh, I don't have access to those numbers yet. PFF will have them out probably tomorrow, and, and that's definitely a number we'll look at. But – the biggest problem to me, like I said, the defensive tackle, it's not necessarily getting shoved backwards, but like on that 
on that long touchdown run, Akeel Byers and Kobe Whiteside both got shoved about four yards to the right, and the, the running back is going to the left. It's The offensive line is very easily able to direct Missouri's defensive line where they want them to go, and, and then there's nobody in the cutback lane. And I look, scheme is probably a part of it. Talent's a part of it. it it's all – I mean, it's hard to watch because there's nothing more frustrating as a football fan. Trust me, I just did it last Sunday night. Then sitting there – and knowing the other team is getting four yards every single time by just running the ball straight at you. And then once they do that enough, eventually there's going to be wide open receivers. And there were wide open receivers. And Missouri didn't really stop the pass very well late in that game either. Yeah, you're, you're spot. And the thing is, Gabe, it's like, I think we, I think us as Mizzou fans have kind of got a little too big for our bridges thinking that, oh, it's Boston College. Boston College has a couple NFL players on the team. I don't know if they're going to be high NFL players, but they got a couple guys that are going to play in the league, and they're going to get uh, at least one of their guys is going to get drafted for sure. Oh, yeah. Is there anybody on this defensive line that's even going to get a sniff? No. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's just not even close. Yeah, not not in the foreseeable. I mean, maybe Trajan Jeffcoat, but the way he's played so far this year, I, I'm not sure about that. Um, look, I think the talent on these two teams was very even. You're right. Missouri fans have no right to look down their nose at Boston College. Now, they also don't need to go, well, the easy excuse because Boston College has way more talent than us. That's also not true, but I think they were very evenly matched. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I, I, I called earlier, brother, for a really good point, too, which is, you know, I like Connor in terms of what he's doing, but I think if you look at Drink, particularly when he was at Boise and those, um, I think it was the one year he was at NC State, yeah. he really likes to have a wide-open offense. And I just look at Connor, and I, I think you can kind of just tell so much of what we're doing is lateral routes. You know, it's crossing routes. It's these, like, little screens. It's, it's, it's everything dink and duck. Everything's manufactured. And we have such little margin for error, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem. You know, the one throw, in the, you know, the throw to end the game, that was not great. I, I doubt that was the read considering the scene was wide open. Um, but the, the throw that Connor had in the, uh, the third quarter yeah. and on first down, I mean, that was late and inside. Yes, I mean, that's it, just, was, that's just, it was so late. That, just, that throw and, was wide open. Because we, don't have, we do not have the room uh, to really do this with this defense. And I think yep. that... That's why you saw Drink really calling timeouts. I know people are going to complain about the clock management. I think Drink knew, like, hey, like, we got to do something here. And you saw Steve Wilkes, he was blitzing like crazy in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. I mean, he was pulling out every blitz in the book. Yep. Yeah, and and that throw you mentioned, the first interception, that throws wide open if Basilak makes it two seconds sooner. He just didn't. And, and he threw it straight into a pick. So I agree with, with with a lot of what you're saying. I mean, there's not much margin for error, and they made one too many mistakes is, is ultimately what this game comes down to. Yeah. Well, so, thanks for the time, Gabe. Appreciate really it, Dalton. Forward, I, I'm really looking forward to that PFF stat. So yeah, thanks, it'll, have a it'll, good one. it'll be interesting. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's go back to the uh, 573 area code. You with me? <laughs> Yeah, Gabe, it's uh, Justin Ferguson. How are you doing, man? What's up, Justin? How are you, man? What's going on? Hey, he's doing good, man. The the real thing that we got to look at is, I mean, it, do, it doesn't matter. This team is giving up 32 points per game. It's going to be awfully hard to win very many football games if you're giving up 32 points a game. 275 yards uh, rushing today. So that's uh, actually going to go up from 269 from what they were already yeah, averaging. It should be right at 270. It's, yeah. just hard, 
Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's going to be hard to win very many football games. Uh, I don't care what level. Uh, and, and when I watch the defense, the defensive tackles are, you said it with another caller, they're getting not just blown off the ball, but they have to, if they're, if they're a responsibility of the A gap, they're getting pushed almost all the way into the C gap. Yeah. And there's just nobody there to fill those other holes. And, and defensive ends, it's not just defensive tackles, it's defensive ends, yep. linebackers aren't filling the holes, the safety is sometimes slow coming down to fill uh, as well. It's just overall bad, and a lot of that has to deal with this is the first year uh, for them in Steve Wilkes' system. It's going to probably take more time. It's going to take getting more Jimmys and Joes uh, as well, and it's just – you yeah, know, I'm yeah. watching this Arkansas game, Gabe, and, and I'm watching these guys are just flying around because they know what they're doing. They, they know what their assignments are, and I feel like Missouri is just still unsure exactly what their assignments are. So so here's here's the problem I see for, uh, you know, and I, and I don't really know the answer to this, but this is the second or third straight year it's been, well, it's the defensive coordinator's fault. At some point, it's probably that the defensive coordinator needs better players, whoever the defensive coordinator is, right? And that takes a couple years. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely – I mean, look, it, it doesn't matter what scheme you have. If you got your defensive tackles and defensive ends getting pushed uh, five yards down the field, there's no scheme that fixes that. Exactly. Not whatsoever. And, and I get that Boston College has a good offensive line, but it's not like we're an FCS team. Right. I mean, we're an SEC team. We've got guys that are fifth-year players, uh, you know, that should be a little bit better than than what they are. And yeah. we honestly, we just have some dudes up there. Yeah, and I we think don't have we don't have anybody. Yeah, you're right. They have they have guys. I think the frustrating part is there was a stretch in that game where Missouri was was doing better defensively and and doing some things against the run. And then when it came down to it, when they had to get a stop, they couldn't do it. Um, and, and I think that's that's frustrating for people to watch too. But I, you know, th- there are questions about the offense. There are questions about the clock management. But you're right. Problem number one a on this team clearly is that they just can't stop anybody. No, I mean it's. It's and it's everybody. It's not just it's not just one team or the other. How good they are. I mean, Boston College and Kentucky. These are some some fairly basic offenses. There's nothing real special about them or anything like that. They're just lining up, running it right at you, and then switching it. You know, adding in a little bit of play action in there, and that's it. There's not a whole lot to this, right? And I, I um, think too, the, like, the concerning when you part got is guys on the defensive line who can't stop anything. I mean, it's and linebackers they ain't throwing holes. It's yeah. going to be long days for the rest of the season. And I think the concerning part is it's not just the run. I mean. They got beat on some very important pass plays. Caleb Evans got beat. I think it was Rakestraw that got beat on the touchdown. And, look, I'm not asking guys to be perfect, but because they're so bad against the run, they're overcompensating, and that's opening up the pass, too, and and they really can't stop much of anything. So, uh, Justin, I appreciate the call, man. I appreciate you being with us all day. Uh, I got a few people waiting, so I got to move on, man. No, appreciate it, Gabe. Thanks, man. Have a good one. All right, have a good one. Let's go to the uh, 229 area code. Who Who's there? Hey, what's up, Gabe? This is Aaron. Uh, I am looking for some feedback. I'm like, Mike, because uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can relate to this. You know, two two girls um, distracted. So I'm looking at bits and pieces. Okay. So 
So, uh, yeah, we talked about this last week. You know, I, I'm looking at this defense, and I'm thinking 1980s, you know, Woody Wittenhofer, you right. know, getting blown off the ball. Five. And I'm just wondering how bad it is. I know BC has a good offensive line, but they have a backup quarterback. You would think that that you can – and I'm, I'm, I'm not a football expert, but I'm thinking stack the box. They're not going to, you know – you, they're not right. going to go untouched three, four yards down the line of scrimmage. Am I, am I seeing things? Is this what's going on? You know, no, that's that's what's happening. I mean, and look, I want to be clear. I, I don't watch – I can't watch every position off the ball to know, and I'm I'm not a football coach either. So, like, there could be things that I would love to sit down with Steve Wilkes and have him say, okay, and be able to say, tell me why this play didn't work. But coaches don't do that okay. with with reporters. Um, but again, there were a number of plays where the defensive linemen are simply getting moved to wherever the offensive line wants them to go. Then, like the 67-yard touchdown, they have like a, a run blitz called where the two linebackers are filling the gaps on the left. They've got, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Ish Burdine who's got that third gap. That's where the run goes to. He misses a tackle. Then Missouri manages to miss three more tackles on the same play. Um, you know, that's not necessarily a scheme thing so much as it is a tackle. A, again, the, the, the game-winning touchdown, uh, or the, the one that gave BC the lead at the end of regulation, Jalen Carlise is standing at the two-yard line, and, I, I mean, it's a tough play. Don't get me wrong. And even if he makes it, BC probably has a first down, but he got run over into the end zone. That's the difference. Um, you know, it's it, – it, Football so often comes down to somebody has to make a play. You have to beat the guy across from you. And right now, Missouri's guys are not beating the guys across from them. And you're right, BC has a good offensive line. Kentucky has a good offensive line. Guess what? A lot of guys in the SEC have a good offensive line. And that's why now I think we're talking about, is Missouri a bowl team? Like, is six or seven in play? Because anything more than that's off the table. Well, I guess the issue I have with that, I know that before the season, I saw it as a toss-up game. But, oh, yeah. But BC lost their starting quarterback. And, right. and so I know they're 4-0, but they didn't play. Or, well, or, yeah, I think they're 4-0. 3-0, 4-0. 4-0, no. But yeah. they haven't played anybody. So I'm wondering, as we go into the ACC season, ACC's off. I think that's like maybe the third or fourth worst conference. Or best, you know, yeah. they're, they're at the bottom of the Power Five. I'm wondering, is BC really a, a, a above five in the team? I, I, you know, I, it's really hard to tell. Yeah, you, I mean, you know, and so I'm wondering how bad this loss would be, you know, down the line. Yeah, I think BC's like a seven win, maybe an eight win team because they won this one. I mean, like, they could beat NC State. They could also lose to them. Georgia Tech, same. Wake Forest, same. The ACC is just a whole bunch of teams you throw on a hat on any given day. BC isn't going 12-0. and They aren't going 11-1. And Kentucky's not a great team. I mean, Missouri is a very average football team that has lost two games to, I think, one to a better-than-average football team. And then today, I think they lost to another average team. Like, they're, they're just... These two teams, if they play ten times, probably go five and five. Today, BC made one more play. But, it, no, that's... Missouri is not a great football team. I don't even think Missouri is a good football team. They're average. That's what they are. Well, I, I, if they end up four and eight, I'm not going to call them average. Oh uh, no, I'm okay but with six and six. I got to. I'm I, having questions as to whether they're six and six. I mean, that's look, my, I look, really Van, Vandy was down twenty-eight nothing after seven minutes today. That's a win. North Texas is going to be a win. I mean. If you believe they're going to get swept by South Carolina, Tennessee, and Arkansas, then we can talk about four and eight. But I just don't believe that's going to. This team's not going to lose every toss-up game. I mean, they've been in two toss-up games and they're zero and two. 
I think they'll have three more, and they'll probably manage to win a couple, and they're a 6-6 six and six football team. Uh, the SEC East, I think, is historically bad. They've been bad for the last five or six it's years. It's pretty bad. Yeah. great. Uh, so, so, yeah, we're in agreement. So. Well, yeah, and, and this, we'll and, and last thing on this, I think people got fooled a little bit last year because Missouri was 5-5, five and five, which was better than expected. And what Missouri fans hated being told in the offseason was, if you look at it, you were two plays from 3-7. and seven. Like, there was no games Missouri uh, lost last year that you said, well, that could have been a win. The losses were blowouts. And there were two games they won that they won on the last play. So literally, you were two plays from three and seven. And had they been three and seven last year, maybe re- expectations are a little more realistic this year. Well, what's happened in these two games is they've been two plays from winning games, but they didn't make them this year, whereas they made them in a couple games last year. And, and it really is that fine of a line between like three and seven and seven and three. It, it, it really is. I agree. Great, great point. All right, Aaron. Appreciate it, man. Good to talk to you. All right, let's go next. Uh, 913, you with me? 913, you still hanging on? Okay, what about 908? Do we have 908 on the phone? What's up, Gabe? What's up, Schiff? How was the game, man? Um, You know, big loss for me. Well, first off, let me just get this out of the way. Uh, I know fans have been calling and complaining. This loss is on me. Okay. This was my first game as a fan since I was like a sophomore in college. This is completely on me. Did they did they um, win the last game you went to? What did you say? Did they win the last game you went to as a fan? I don't remember. Okay, so um, it's not necessarily all on but you. But I appreciate that. Um, also, I got sunburned, and then let's go to San Diego this week for training camp. I have no shot at getting a tan now. I'm really upset about it. Um, <laughs> Sorry to hear that, man. I, I just have, yeah, I, I just have a few thoughts. Um, I haven't been listening to previous calls. This is repetitive, forgive me. Um, I would have had gotten the ball first in overtime because I thought the air kind of came out the stadium a bit after me just tied it with a 56-yarder. I thought momentum was on the third side, and they, they were more likely, if they were to keep the momentum going, to have that carryover on offense and defense. Um. Fair, I'm sure you've already heard about the, the fair point. I will tell you that 100 out of 100 coaches take defense first in overtime, and the reason is very simple. It's we want to know what we have to do when we get the ball because if you can stop the other team and force a field goal, then you know, hey, I don't have to maybe be as aggressive. I can, or if, if say if you manage to get a turnover, you say all we got to do is run the ball three times and kick a field goal. Whereas if you take the ball first, you know you're having to go for a touchdown, and then if you don't get it, you're giving the other team that advantage. So I, I understand what you're saying, but 100 coaches will take defense first on uh, in overtime. I I I, I agree with that. Um, the play call, I think everybody's southern beat to death. You know, I think they deserve the touch. Um, yeah. Beforehand, just you know, get the ball in your best player's hands, obviously, and I kind of see what happens there before I'm taking a shot. I think it was triple coverage if I counted correctly. It's been a long day. I know it was um, double. Yeah, I'd have I, to go back and look. Yeah, I saw I saw three guys around around Chisholm when uh when he went up to the catch. Um, and uh, and I just gotta say, you know, uh, Eli Drinkwitz was saying that you know he, he wishes he didn't play that game. I so. I go into the Boston College bookstore after the game to go to the bathroom. Everybody was making fun of me. Oh, you know, this is what your coach gets for not uh, 
not wanting to come here. You know, he learned the Boston Harbor. I don't know about all that. I will yeah. say that with the Northeast uh, Mizzou alumni, I thought there was a pretty good turnout for games like this. And I wouldn't be opposed to uh, at Maryland, at Wilkes in my backyard. I, uh, I actually think that it wasn't that, that big of a deal when it came to recruiting stuff and everything. But yeah. I'm biased because I got to go here and I'm waiting for Mitch to finish so that I can, get, uh, I can see my guy. All right, man. Well, enjoy it. Appreciate the call. I like the game. It was different. It's not a game we see every year, obviously. So I, I got no problem with playing exactly. at BC. Take care, man. All right, Shiv. Have a good one, man. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, let's go back to the 573 area code. You with me? Yeah, I'm with you, Gabe. Hey. hey I just, uh, who am I talking to? You said earlier about the, uh, the difference in 3 and 7 and 5 and 5. To me, this was the LSU game from last year. Just yep. with a different result. The defense didn't step up at the end of the game. Last year, they did. Um, you know, that's that's the first point I'd like to make. And back to your point, you've been hammering this on your board all year long about we just don't have the talent, you know. So hopefully, hopefully the uh, advertisements out there for all these uh, these young studs out there that Eli's recruiting, um, there's opportunities in Missouri. Come play, you'll play for four years and you'll uh, you'll be able to show off. And, and, and uh, that's I, what I got for now. Thanks, bud. Yeah, totally agree. I totally agree with with those points. No question about it. Um, it's going to be interesting, and and I'll get into this a little later if the calls die down. But but kind of what the response is from the fan base, and and you know I understand this isn't the best medium to judge that. People are upset after a, a loss, a tight loss. I get it, but but we'll talk about that a little bit more. Six three six area code. You with me? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, who am I talking to? Uh, this is Luke. How are you doing, Gabe? Not bad, Luke. What's going on, man? Oh, not much. I was calling. So we've talked a lot about the current state of Mizzou's defense and just, you know, getting blown off the ball, not making tackles. Right. Well, we're pretty well stuck with the guys that we have right now for the rest of the season. We can't mm-hmm. change that. I mean, recruiting, you know, future years, you got to change it. you got to right. get guys. But what can Steve Wilkes do currently for next week and the week after to turn this around? Because – you got to do something or else this season is quickly heading towards being very disappointing. So do we have to get more aggressive? Do we have to start just dialing up more blitzes and either a feast or famine defense? Or, yes. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know the answer. So I'm curious about what your thoughts are. Where do we go from here for the current season? So when you are kind of undermanned on defense, which Missouri is, I think you have two choices. You can play kind of basic defense and let the other team run for five yards of play and just hope eventually they make a mistake. Now, I, I think we've seen at times teams that are running for five yards of carry. The smart thing is to just keep running for five yards of carry. Well, coaches tend to get a little impatient and they'll throw on first down and they'll get them or there'll be a penalty and they'll get off schedule. So a lot of times you might just say, hey, let's play base defense and hope hope they make a mistake and get the ball back. The other thing you can do is you can put seven and eight guys in the box and you can blitz your ever loving ass off on every play. Now, what that is going to open up is the possibility that they're going to then beat you over the top. And rather than losing five yards at a time, you're going to lose 35 yards at a time, right? Either way, I tend to think you kind of end up losing. I think it's far more frustrating to watch a team that just loses to the same play over and over. I mean, how many times did those announcers say today, this has to be demoralizing for the Missouri defense? And like I said, I just watched a, I watched a team on Sunday night that I knew as long as the other offense doesn't get impatient, 
Like, all they have to do is hand the ball off, and they're going to get six yards every single time. And they did, and it won them the game. Um, it is very yeah, and, frustrating and to watch. That's what I said. I think three or four different drives, I said if Boston College throws the ball once, unless they're forced to, yep. they're not running their offense correctly. Because Agreed. at some point, you just have to realize you're outmanning the other team. Your personnel is just better. Yep. And lean on it. So, yeah, I think I... I'm personally in the camp of I would prefer they get a little bit more aggressive, give up some of those big plays, but this team almost is at the point where you have to rely on forcing some turnovers. Yeah. And you got to make the plays. I mean, Mizzou had Mizzou dropped two interceptions that hit the defensive players in the numbers. Right. And, and so it's, it, it's plays like that you got to capitalize on, and you have to be opportunistic. Otherwise, this team just doesn't have the personnel to play straight up and stop another team for four quarters. Right, and, and if we're being honest, if you go back to that Central Michigan game, Central Michigan, which, by the way, I don't know what the final score was, but with two minutes left today, they were losing to Florida International. Um, if you go back to that Central Michigan game, the difference in that game was that Missouri forced two turnovers. They got an interception, and they had a guy put a helmet on the ball to force a fumble. It, it That swung that game 10 points. Without those turnovers, I'm not sure Missouri's not sitting here one and three. Um you know, so turnovers are a lot of times they are luck, but they absolutely change games, right? Um, I mean, the the guy. What if the the D back for Boston College goes up today and doesn't hang on to this ball at the at the goal line? Maybe Missouri comes back and wins, right? Um, but but yeah. those are the kind of plays they've they've got to come through. And and there were a couple times today. I mean, it was what twenty seven seventeen. And Missouri went down and scored, and then the defense got a three and out. You know, they they blitzed twice. They had eight guys in the box. They got the ball back, and the offense went down and scored. Now, when they had to do it again, they didn't do it again. So they're capable of it. They're just not capable of it consistently. Sure. Yeah, and, and like you said earlier on the show, you got to get Steve Wilkes credit where credit is due. I mean, he's it's not like he's just sitting back there and taking it. I mean, right. he's going up, he's blitzing, he's putting pressure, and and he forced a huge three and out. I mean, Mizzou, the resiliency of this team and, and part of the culture that Drink has instilled is palpable. I mean, you can, you can see it. This is not a team that's going to lay down and just not continue to fight, which is a good sign for the future. But at the same time, you got to win games. And you got to yeah. win games against ACC competition. And so at some point, there's got to be a tipping point where the defense just has to say, we're, we're not going to let – them run five yards to carry we're gonna sell out we're gonna make we're gonna risk it because we yeah. just don't have any other options yeah I agree and 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 the frustrating part is they had two swing games in the first four weeks and they're now zero and two in those games now next week sure. has now turned into the biggest I mean a game literally that is huge for Drinkwitz's future because if if next week we're in this situation where they've given up 270 yards rushing and they got beat by Tennessee then that's that's definitely worrisome because then you're talking about three average teams as Tennessee passed you back up, um, and two and three is going to take every bit of air out of the sails of this fan base. I mean, two and two is going to take some of it out, but two and three would kill it. Um, you know, and yeah, so yeah, I, I think it will. And uh, there's there's a other half of Drinkwitz though. I mean, his if he scores another, I mean, if we get the Luther kid, oh yeah, and you know was two or three weeks from now, I mean, he has a whole other half of his coaching that puts air back in the sale. So if he can still score on the recruiting trail, even if this year is a flop, which I'm kind of 50-50 it might be, 
he still has this program headed in a good direction. And yes. let's, let's not pretend that this really isn't, for all intents and purposes, this is his first year as a head coach at Mizzou. I mean, last year, how do you, you what can you say about that? He didn't yeah. have any fall camp or any spring camp, really had no fall camp, and then just went into an all-SEC schedule and, and you know, came out ahead, got got lucky on games, and ended up having a, a season that was above what I think Mizzou probably should have had. And so now he comes in. This is really his first full year, and I think we just have to be patient. We'll see. I, I still think Drink is the future. I think there's a lot of positives about him, but at the current state, we're just looking uh, looking a little bland. Yeah, I, I mean, look, patience is hard for sports fans. Everybody wants, and I get it. I'm like, I'm not saying I'm not casting stones at, at you guys. I'm, I'm I'm a sports fan too, and it's hard to it's hard to look at your team and go, hey, seven and five would be a good year this year. Like that's not fun, right? You don't want to start a year going, hey, if we can just get to seven and five and play in Charlotte, that'll be cool, because um, because nobody wants to do that. Uh, you feel like you're wasting a year, but it is they're not there yet. And I've said since the beginning, I think they're two years away. I think 2023 is the first time you can really start talking about, Hey, maybe we can compete to win this division and and do some big things. And that's tough to do, but it is what's required of Missouri fans right now. I think. That's true. Yep. And Hey, I'm going to leave you with one final positive point. Okay. And that is Tyler, Tyler Beatty. I, I think all of us had questions coming in. If he could, turn into the guy um you know last year we were thinking yeah he's a great secondary back but can he actually fill into that role and absolutely 100 percent. he had two total t- or he had two touchdowns today over 100 total yards the catch on third down where it was oh, only two laces and caught it with one yeah. hand is that it's incredible i mean that that saved the if, game from ending in regulation yes so, if missouri wins uh, this game that's the play that you're baby looking at. is is absolutely as good as advertised and worth the price of admission. So I'm glad that we'll get to watch him for the rest of the uh, seven or eight games, but I think I might just turn the TV off when the Zeus defense <laughs> runs on the field. All right. Well, appreciate it, Luke. Thanks for the call, man. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. It's uh, your show is, is great. And it's really entertaining. All right. Good deal. Thanks, man. We will uh, talk to you later, right. later on down the road. And uh, okay. So that's a good, some of what Luke said is a good place for me to jump off on on something I want to talk about. The phone lines are open. If you want to call, I'll take your call, and we'll go back to that, and I'll, I'll get back to this point later. Um, but it, it brings up, I think, a good point is the patience. And, look, I tried to hammer this all off season long, and it kind of was met with deaf ears, and, and I – am not surprised by that but but I said quite a few times like look I think they're a little further away than you want them to be um you know they're this is going to take a minute this is probably not all going to happen this year and we talked about before the season what happens like there were people that said if if we don't win eight games this is a disappointment and I said that can't be the standard seven and five might not be a bad year even six and six might not be a bad year because like like Luke was talking about this, you know, the recruiting, all the stuff that's, that's, uh, that's coming up. Like there, there are reasons to feel good about where this program is at right now. Um, but it's going to take a minute. And so you can't jump off at, at two and two, you can't, 
can't just say, well, this is it, same same old same old Mizzou, you know. I mean, guys, they've lost two games to teams that have the same amount of talent or maybe more talent, and they've lost them by one play. I, I mean, it, it, I guess my bigger point is if this fan base jumps off now or if you – I mean, they're coming back two and two. How many people are going to be at the Tennessee game? If it's 42,000, Eli Drinkwood's going to notice that. Recruits are going to notice that. It's going to be a thing. And now, like, look, we were talking to Mike earlier. I know Mike was incredibly disappointed. Um, It's – I can't tell anybody how to spend their money. But like Mike said, I'm out. Well, I mean, if you're out, you're out. That's that's your call. Um, You can do that. But if that happens, then in a year or two, you know – Don't be surprised when the coach heads out and you're not getting great recruits because it's going to be noticed is my point. So, And that's why I say I think next week is huge for this program and where they're going to go because if you're 3-2 and and you got another loss – or I'm sorry, if you're 2-3 and and you've lost to Tennessee – all that positive momentum from before the season is going to be gone. And and I don't want to make this sound like everything is on the fans. It's not. The, The team does have a responsibility to win games and give you guys something to look forward to. Um, you know, there is, there's absolutely no question that some of that, has to come from the football team. They've got to give you a reason to show up and reward you for showing up and and all of that. There is no question about that. It also takes a little blind faith on your part. It's a two-way street. And so next week is big. Next week is on the football program to give you that reason because if they're 2-3 and with North Texas coming into town, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of excitement. Uh, let's, uh, Let's jump back to the phone line now, 573. Who's on the phone? Yeah, Gabe. Sorry, I didn't introduce myself earlier. This is Jeremy. You're good, man. Um, yeah, something I just, you know, I really like the the point you hammer home, patience. You know, we got to remember what we lost off last year's defense. Mm-hmm. We got to remember that Steve Wilkes' defense is now four games old, right? Hopefully players start to play a little faster. Hopefully we start to get those uh, those recruits in. Um and and if if Drinkwitz is as good as we think, you know, trajectory is important. You know, when that December yes. signing day rolls around, we've got to be in a position where we can sell the recruits on the future. Yes. So I mean, I think I, I trust them to do that based on what they've done so far. We just got to keep them uh, those recruits on board up until that point. Well, and and it, like. W- the main theme of this show has been, hey, the guys aren't the guys to fix this aren't on the roster right now, right? Well, there's only one way you get those guys, and that's through recruiting in in college football. So, this is very much about, hey, getting more guys in, and part of that, I mean, the main part of that is 
on Eli Drinkwitz. But part of that can be the fan base, too, and sending a, a message that, hey, like, we get it. We get that this is going to be a couple-year deal, and we're on board. And and I think mostly Missouri fans are. And, and I know a call-in show two hours after a game ends like that is is not the best time to judge. But it's just something that, that I do think is, is going to be interesting to see what the reaction is because I think a lot of fans – had themselves convinced this was going to happen a little bit sooner than it was going to happen. And I think now they're starting to figure out that maybe uh, maybe it's going to take a little bit longer than than they had thought it was going to take. Yeah, that's a good point. The other thing I want to, I want to say, too, is, you know, we see a lot of these higher-profile teams change a coach, and automatically they improve their fortunes. Those teams have... 20, 25, four-star and above recruits on the roster. Yep. We don't have that right now. So we got to build it brick by brick, which is it's kind of the Missouri way. Yeah. So, you know, it'll be really cool to see uh, when we come out the other side. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the show and taking my call. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Jeremy. Thank you for being a part of it, man. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's all it, – it's hard, guys. Like, look, I, I always I always come at this from the perspective of if you've been a fan of a team that's been down for quite a while, it, if you can stick with like sticking with it is hard. But if you can stick with it, the reward at the other end is is a lot of fun. Like, hey, the 2014 and 15 World Series were a whole lot of fun for me, and they might not have been quite as much fun if I hadn't gone through 29 years of of absolute crap you know but uh let's go back to the phone line 314 area code who am i talking to hey this is zach mom yeah what's up zach how you doing man hey uh i actually missed about the last half hour so i don't know if you guys actually talk about this or not but i heard you say earlier that you were thinking more of a seven win season now after today's game i think that's the ceiling yeah i i don't think they can get to eight after today well i yeah i'm even thinking like just watching the defense i'm just what, where do you see those other wins coming from? Because I think North Texas is a win still, yep. Vandy's a win still, but even, I mean, I'm watching, I, at the beginning of the season, I was thinking Arkansas was still a possibility, but, I mean, I'm watching this A&M Arkansas game, and, I mean, Arkansas's taking it to A&M right now, so I just want where okay. do you think those other wins are coming from? So, so, North Texas and Vandy gets you to four. South Carolina is not good, but basically then you've got South Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, and I'll throw A&M in there because A&M hasn't looked good. So you got four games that you'd have to win two. Could, you know, I think they can beat, or that you'd have to win, to get to seven, you'd have to win three. Can Missouri beat Tennessee, South Carolina, and either A&M or Arkansas? They can. I'm not saying they will, but I think you can still get to seven. Um, I don't think you can get to eight because I don't think you're winning all four of those games and there's no way you're beating Georgia or Florida at this point. Um, so yeah. that's why I say I think seven's the ceiling. I'm not saying they'll get there, but but I think that's that's the highest you can aim at this point. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I was thinking eight and four. And then, you yeah. know, I'm not, I wasn't expecting – I wasn't one of those people that was saying, oh, Mizzou's going to come in and win 10, 11 games. Right. But I, I'm really thinking more of a five and seven, six and six season. Hope I'm wrong. Hope they can get to seven, but I, I just don't see it at this point. But yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. So thanks. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Uh, thanks for for being part of the show. And um, 
I'm having a hard time telling if we have somebody else. I thought we had somebody else on the line, and we do not have somebody else on the line. So uh, phone line is open if you want to call back in. Uh, 573-234-4935 is the call. This is a, a quick minute. Um, we just kind of jump straight into calls and analysis. I definitely should have mentioned, um, hopefully you guys know this by now, and the logo's down on the on the corner, but this show is brought to you every week by Boulevard Brewing Company. A uh, lot of – some of you probably need one. Some of you probably already have had one or 10, to be honest. But um, you can pick up all of Boulevard's products pretty much at any grocery store in the state of Missouri or a lot of different states at this point. They've pretty much gone nationwide. Um, they got they got a lot of good beer that they produce. They also have the fling cocktails that, that we were, uh, were kind of peddling to you guys last year. And now they have Quark, which is kind of their seltzer uh, product, Q-U-A-R-K. And check that out at the grocery store as well. But thanks to Boulevard for making this possible. And uh, now we're going to hit the phone lines again. 256 area code. Who am I talking to? Hey, Gabe. This is Ryan. Hey, what's up, Ryan? How you doing, man? Good. Um, I figured you. I don't, know, I don't know if you already answered the question or not, but I knew you knew it was coming. So <laughs> after Kentucky, right? Everybody freaked out about the recruiting and everything. Right. Um, at what point do you think we start worrying about our record and and that uh, impacting the recruiting? Right. Uh, at some point, it's got to. Right. I mean, if the wheels come off, if you're four and eight, like like uh, somebody was talking about, then yeah, that that's probably going to hurt you a little bit, but. I, again, I think the coaches are very much selling to recruits. Hey, this is a, we're trying to rebuild this roster right now. Most SEC teams have more guys than we do, and we need guys like you to catch them. Um, so I don't think recruits that are watching were necessarily expecting Missouri to be 10-2. and two. Uh, and it's not like they're getting blown out by Kentucky and BC, right? If you're a good recruiter, what you're selling today is, look, we needed one more player to be 4-0 and maybe in the top 25. You're that player. Um, so I don't think it's time to worry about it yet. They get to the end of the season and the wheels have fallen off and they're 4-8, and eight, then yeah, I, I think at that point you start worrying about it. But but I wouldn't start worrying about it yet. Awesome. That's all I got for you. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, Ryan. appreciate the call, man. Yeah, thanks. All right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I understand the concern, but I don't think decisions like that are being made right away. I, I don't think Missouri – I don't think kids are out there, you know, expecting Missouri to be significantly beyond where they're at. Now, that's different than I wish they would have beaten BC or I wish they would have beaten Kentucky. I mean, those games, that stuff comes down to one play. The bigger picture comes down to obviously a lot more. And again, what Eli Drinkwitz is selling is, hey, we're not there yet. We're getting closer. With you, we'll be even closer. In fact, you might be the kid that puts us over the top. But I don't think Luther Burden is necessarily watching this game today and going, well, they can't beat Boston College. I'm not going to school there. Um, I just don't think that's generally how recruiting works. All right, let's go uh, 314 area code. Who we got? Uh, this is Robert. What's up, Robert? How you doing, man? Not bad. Um I just had a couple questions for you. It, it feels like I haven't heard Wingo's name in a couple weeks. Yeah. And it, it feels like I haven't heard Jeff Coates' name all year. Uh, do you have some thoughts on those guys and how they've been playing? Yeah, Wingo, um, he definitely he had a ton of snaps in week one. And he's played. I noticed he was in there on that drive that, Kentucky, or that, that Boston College went down and took the 34-31 lead. I know he was on the field, but – 
Haven't heard his name a lot. Again, defensive tackle is and, – and I'm not throwing a, a true freshman under the bus. You know, hey, these things happen. Um, it, but he hadn't made a lot of plays. Jeff Coat, I haven't heard much out of Jeff Coat, man. Uh, you're right. Uh, he – I don't know. I don't know if teams are running away from him. I don't know if teams are double-teaming him. I'd have to more go back and, and, and watch games, you know, watch a little more specifically on him. But – no, you haven't heard his name much. And, and I think that's fair to say about pretty much anybody on the defensive side of the ball. Like, outside of Sean Robinson and maybe Martez and, and Blaze Aldridge today, I didn't hear much of anybody's name. And then the only other two things, um, it, it seemed like Martez is a lot more active today. Yeah. Is, is that fair to say? And then it seemed also like Rake Straw had a pretty bad game again. Yeah, um, I, I'd have to go back and look with Rakestraw. I can say that Martez, um, and hey, I, I do want to say real quick, I got somebody calling in from the 636 area code. I've been trying to add you, but for some reason, uh, it, it's not letting me add you to the call. So we'll get you on eventually. But uh, Martez had, I think, 11 or 12 tackles today. He was the leading tackler on the team. Now, also, that's a bad thing. You don't want your safety to be the leading tackler. Some of those came when he was more up as a as a linebacker and and was in the box, so that's okay. But but if you've got you know a a, a safety being your leading tackler in general, that's a pretty big negative for the defense. And and I'd have to look at Rakestraw. I know I, I'm pretty sure he was the guy that gave up the that was was trailing on the game winning touchdown pass. But I, I don't know enough to say whether he was was necessarily bad throughout the day. All right. Well, thanks, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate the call, Ron, uh, or Robert, um, and, and thanks for being a part of the show, man. And, and hey, 636, do me a favor and give me a call back uh, real quick now because we've got an open phone line. There you are. All right. Hey, 636 area code. I apologize, man. We were having some technical things where I couldn't add you and put you on hold. What's going on? Uh, no worries. This is uh, Mark in uh, Columbia. Okay. Good uh, to talk to you, Mark. What's on your mind, man? Two things, primarily. Number one, I understand the backup quarterback is the most popular person on every single team. Yeah. But, oh, my goodness, that throw at the end of the game. I mean, and yeah. a lot of throws today just look like wobbly ducks. I mean, it's like no zip on the ball at all, and it'll drive you insane. If you're going to be a game manager, you got to make better decisions than those two throws. And yeah, that, that one at the end was uh, – you can't throw that ball unless you've got – Terrell Owens out there. I mean, I know sometimes you give a guy a chance on a 50-50 ball, but but not on first and 10 in overtime and, and not throwing it over the wrong shoulder. Yeah, I mean, just you can't throw that ball short. If you're going to yep. throw it, throw out the back of the end zone and call it a day. 100%. But, and then the last thing, that way show a scholarship for votes and giving it to Michael Cox. That play put them at the 40-yard line. Oh, boy. I hit on a fair catch. Did anybody see what happened? Like, they never showed it on TV. Do we know what the penalty was? No, I have no idea. I mean, he was apologizing on the sideline, and the coaches seemed to be ripping into him. So it seems like he did something stupid, but I don't know what he did. Yeah. But I can't believe on that situation when you're not – you're barely even seeing the field anymore. I mean – Yeah. That's it. Really – Terrible penalty. Missouri had one penalty all day before that drive. They committed two defensive penalties on that drive. And then, actually, there was an offensive penalty on Boston College that I thought really hurt Missouri that we'll get into that a little bit more uh, when the phone lines clear up. But, uh, yeah, that's a terrible penalty. You can't give them 15 free yards at that point. 
No, you can't. And I appreciate you taking my call. And, and again, I, I'm a Bazelak supporter. I'm a Bazelak believer to a degree. But if you are going to be the quarterback and you do not have the arm, you know, the sleeve flicker was underthrown. I yeah, understand you that was a bad call. But you, if you're going to be the game manager and you can't throw the deep ball, you can't have those two. And those were just dumb throw yep. interceptions. So Fair point. It's a tough game for him today. And that way, idiotic. I mean, it, like, I, I think we win that game or at least have a better shot. Um, if that if that play doesn't happen, but it is what it is, and I'm still going to support, still going to go to the game, encourage everybody to keep going to games. Do not sell on Drinkwitz, or he will be out of here for Auburn after they fire the uh, anti-vaxxer here in a couple of years. <laughs> but uh, we'll see what happens. I appreciate you taking my call, Gabe. All right, Mark. Thanks for the call, man. Let's go uh, up next. We got the uh, 815 area code. Who's there? What's up, Gabe? It's Ron. What's up, Ron? How you doing, man? Nah, man. I've been. Uh, I, I need. I need a little bit. A little bit of time to cool off after that one. That was. Okay. Uh, that was like peak college football. Uh, you know, fandom of you're holding on every single play, and uh, unfortunately, just after just uh, the miraculous side relief after having uh, me just you know nail that that field goal to send in overtime. Yep. And it, it overtime lasted. Uh, it, it went away too quickly. Um, yeah. I was, I needed a little bit more uh, because it's just, you know, not, not uh Bayless best performance, especially towards the end. Um, I, but I think the bigger indictment is the last caller um, alluded to and, and mentioned. Uh, I, I think the, uh, the penalty on, on Petway just took all the wind out of the sails of the defense and Boston College got good field position. They didn't have to throw the ball. They just had to grind it out three, four yards at a time and, yeah, I'll be I'll be honest, man. I don't care if Boston College gets the ball on the Missouri five or their own five. I think they were scoring there. Um, but but it doesn't minimize the penalty. It's a terrible penalty that you can't have. I just I didn't have much belief that the Missouri defense was was stopping them. And you know, it's all this is hindsight, right? A lot of people were complaining about Drinkwitz's clock management and should have been using call timeouts or should have let him score. Well. We were saying that in the LSU game last year, and Josh Bledsoe made the play, and and Markel Etsy and Nick Bolton mm-hmm. made a cover. I mean, I had the tweet ready to go, right? Like, who's playing the role of Josh Bledsoe this year? Because it was the same game. Mm-hmm. The only difference is they didn't make the play to reward the coach's faith in this one. Obviously, ended up getting it to overtime mm-hmm. still. Um, but yeah, frustrating game. It's it's tough to lose that way. You almost you almost would have rather they not come. It, it, it sounds stupid and it is stupid. But once they go down twenty seven seventeen, at that point you've accepted a loss. Well, then they come back and they give you right. hope again, and it's almost harder. Yeah, no, and I I think me uh, making that field goal too. Like if they just lost in regulation, all right, that sucks. Um, defense especially got to go back to the drawing board. You know, still decent effort from uh, from Bays like all around. Uh, but yeah, that was just a killer, killer interception in the uh, yeah. in the end zone uh, in overtime. I uh, I'm, I'm I'm still a believer, um, but I think as we talked about on these shows last year, uh, you know, Mizzou was five and five because they they caught the right breaks and yep. they won all the the one possession games, and so maybe they were a little closer to a three and seven team than they were a five and five team in, in actuality, and maybe we're we're starting to see the you know, some real flaws that need to be uh, cleaned up pretty soon. But, you know, this this wasn't about 
um, you know, SEC championship aspirations this year. I've, I've made sure to have, you know, reasonable expectations. Um, so we're all going to build the next year and the year after that, but still with the nice to get one. Yep. No question, man. Ron, appreciate the call, man. Uh, hope you have a good Thank one. You. All right, let's let's go uh, six one eight area code. Who's on the Who's on the line? Hey, this is Seth from Utah. What's up? How you doing, Seth? What's going on, man? Hey, good. I've been better. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Man, um, I know past few callers have been believers in Bayslack, but I'm just starting to wonder, you know, how much longer do we have to stick with it? It seems like you know our play calling is pretty limited um, based on his arm strength. Um, I'm wondering, you know, when do we put making in there just to just to, I don't know it seems like it'd be a better fit for our for drinks off offense you know um get some QB reads in there I feel like that misdirection that's going on you'd be you know a good fit to add some speed well Basilak finally did run a little bit today I'd like to see it a little bit more I he's the starter this year I don't I, that's not going to change this mm-hmm. year now going into next year could it change it could I I don't know if Macon's the guy or if Brady Cook's the guy or if Sam Horn's the guy or, you know, I don't know. I I would expect Basilak's still the starter next year, to be quite honest. Um, But what I would like to know, and we'll never get an answer, Eli Drinkwitz isn't going to tell us, but like you said, it's pretty obvious the play calling in the offense is a little bit limited. Is that because he doesn't think he has the quarterback to do it? Is it because he doesn't have the playmakers to do it? Is this the offense? I, you know, I, I'm not sure. And and like I said, he's never going to tell us. It's probably a combination of all those things. Right. And it's hard to believe that, you know, we talked up the wide receiver speed. We, we should have the speed. I just don't necessarily see it all the time when we're, we're running the sweeps. I don't know <laughs> where we're lacking there, you know? Yeah, I think, I think Lovett and Cooper have the speed, but I – I mean, those guys were very – I haven't seen snap counts yet. They're not done, but it didn't seem like those guys played a ton. Um, I'm going to have to look at, at you know, the, the box score. I'm, I'm calling it up right now. Uh, Mookie Cooper had one catch for three yards. That's the only time he was targeted. Dominic Lovett had two catches for 14 yards. He was targeted three times. It was mostly Chisholm. Bannister, Beatty. I mean, those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Those guys had twenty-three of the forty-one targets. Looper had five. Dove had four. Uh, nobody else had more than three. You yeah. know, so I, I think it's just they're freshmen and uh, they're, they, you know, I guess not viewed as is quite being ready yet, which I, I'm not going to say is wrong. The coaches see practice and I don't. Uh, but I think it goes back to the same thing we've talked about on defense, like. The guys that you hope are kind of the foundation and the building blocks of this program, they're either not yet on the roster or they're young enough that they can't make a huge difference yet. Right. That makes sense. So, hey, I just appreciate you uh, taking my call. Um, yep. I, I, I'm a big believer that we're going to be, you know, looking better here in about two years if we take on the drink list, <laughs> if we don't all abandon them. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks uh, for uh, taking the call. All right, Seth, thanks for the call, man. Thanks for, for being a part of it. And uh, thanks to, to everybody who has been calling in. And, and you're more than more than welcome to continue to. I mean, it's early in the day. We'll hang around for a little while. Uh, but it, we were talking about the penalties, and I did want to bring up a point because I thought this when it happened, right, on the, uh, the offensive face mask that happened, it was going to be first and goal at the, the eight or the nine for Boston College with, I think, 201 or something like that left. And they called that offensive face mask, which you never see that called. I mean, ever. 
Happens all the time, and it never gets called. But it got called. And so it backed BC up to the 25. And there was uh, – let, let's go back to the phone, and, and I'll finish that up in a minute. 618, Who's uh, who am I talking to? Hey, Gabe. This is Travis in Southern Illinois. What's up, Travis? How you doing, man? Hey, I'm all right. A little uh, depressed right now. Uh, looking forward to basketball. But anyway, uh, about football, everybody's uh, caught up on Luther Burton, and obviously they should be. But, man, I, I hope Mizzou gets in the mix for a couple of uh, nasty defensive linemen. I'm no, yeah. I don't know about the recruiting class and what's coming in, but uh, I just think, I mean, the front seven is awful. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think the problem with both offensive and defensive line is – generally guys you're recruiting aren't going to help you next year. I, I mean, those guys need to be kind of almost on the roster and guys that are a year or two away. So uh, the the recruiting class from last year, I'm trying to, trying to call it up here real quick. Um, you know, like in 2021, they brought in a realist George and Daniel Robledo. It's a kind of a problem that Robledo's not playing. Um, but Arden Walker, Johnny Walker, these guys that are, are – Makai Wingo, they're playing a little bit. They'll probably play more as time goes on. Those are the guys, along with like Jonathan Jones, um, those are guys that you want to see be building blocks for the future. And then the 2022 class, they've got a Jalen Marshall, uh, a kid out of Bishop, out of uh, Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, they've got Marquise Gracial from St. Charles. So these are guys that you want to see, but they're two and three years away, you know, a year, two, three years away from, from helping. Um, what you're going to need is kind of the younger guys on the roster to take steps forward next year. Yeah, and I appreciate your thoughts, Gabe. I guess nobody, nobody from the JUCO level is committed or anything like that, right? Um, not at this point. JUCO guys and, and transfers tend to be kind of later, and maybe they'll find them. But the fact of the matter is, Realist George was a JUCO who he's played some. He, I don't think anybody would say he's been a difference maker. Daniel Robledo was a JUCO who I don't believe has been on the field, may have played against SEMO, I can't remember. Um, and then, you know, the transfer portal, let's be honest. Uh, Caleb Evans, I think, has been pretty good. Blaze Aldridge is the best linebacker they have, but there have been some questions, and Allie Green's not playing much. So I think it's fair to say, did they get what they needed out of the transfer portal? Maybe not right now. All right, thanks, Gabe. Just remember, uh, Hoops is, what, 40 days away, right? Uh, something like that. All right, thanks for the call, Travis. Appreciate it, man. All right, so uh, kind of going back to, to the penalty, the call I was talking about earlier. So... It took them from, you know, it was going to be first and goal at the eight with a little over two minutes left. Missouri had two timeouts. So one way or another, either you're going to stop BC and get the ball back or they're going to score, and you're going to have like a minute 25 left. You know, I mean, that's that's a good amount of time. That's plenty of time to go down the field and maybe win the football game. That penalty pushed BC back to the 25, basically gave them a full extra set of downs. They ended up still getting the first down and then running that clock all the way down to 25 seconds. Basically, all that penalty ended up doing was costing Missouri a full minute on the clock. If that offensive face mask doesn't get called, Mizzou gets the ball back with probably a minute 25 left and a big chance to do a lot more than a miraculous you know, 57-yard field goal. Um, now, Hey, we're kind of glossing over. Let's give Harrison Mevis some credit here, man. That was a hell of a kick. 
57 yards, five yard, four yards beyond his his previous career high with the game on the line, and they needed every inch. And that drive, Connor Bazelak, a lot of credit for that drive, man. Barrett Bannister, a lot of credit for that drive. Kiki Chisholm made a huge catch on that drive on a contested ball. Eli Drinkwitz handled that drive very well all the way down to six seconds left, no timeouts, trusting his offense to get three more yards on an out pattern and get out of bounds. Because if they don't get those three yards, Harrison Mevis can't kick the field goal. That, that field goal wasn't going to be good from three yards further away. You know, so all of those things uh, get glossed over because overtime went poorly and Missouri lost the game. They shouldn't be ignored. Um, Missouri came back from 27-17. They came back from 34-31 in 25 seconds. They did a lot of really impressive things. They just needed one more play. And that's where it's at. Um, I know that's how I started, and, and that's kind of how I'm, I'm planning to finish. I mean, for everywhere we want to look for blame, and there are places to put blame, and we've talked about it, they ultimately came up one play short. Um, and that's frustrating. This was the LSU game last year, minus the one play. I, that's, that's really what it was. And, and, you know, last year they made those plays in two games this year. They haven't made those plays in two games. Uh, it, that's, that's the difference between four and oh and two and two or last year, three and seven and five and five, you know, the line isn't big. Um, it, it, it is very, very thin. There will be games Missouri makes those plays. And for everybody writing off Arkansas, there's no way they can win that or Tennessee or AM, whatever. I mean, maybe they make those plays in that game. And maybe that switches things around a little bit. I get it's 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 frustrating, apparently for or especially for people who, you know, had themselves thinking that maybe this year was a little more than this year has been. I get that it's frustrating. Um but you know, kind of like last year. Hey, they were five and five. They weren't that far from three and seven. Right now, they're two and two, and they're two plays from four and zero. Oh. And that that doesn't win you any awards. You don't get anything for it. I'm just saying that. You know, these these things tend to kind of have a way of evening out. So um, appreciate all you guys who were a part of this. Apologize for the little snafu we had earlier on. Uh, we we did have some technical problems and all that. Um, but appreciate everybody who was in the comments. Everybody who called in. Uh, you guys who are here, I mean, we started at 9.30 this morning. It's after 4 o'clock, and so appreciate everybody who's who was a part of it all day long. Um, I've got a few more things to write. We'll have some Drinkwitz video. Uh, Mitch is going to have full coverage from Boston, so plenty of stuff still to come on the site. We'll have the snap counts and the grade card and all that tomorrow. Uh, so thank you guys for being a part of it. Thanks to Boulevard Brewing Company for making it possible. Uh, we'll you got plenty of time left. Like, it's not even happy hour, guys. Run out to the store, pick yourself up a six-pack of Boulevard, get some quirk, whatever you want. Uh, watch some night games. You know, read our coverage. It's going to be coming. So appreciate all you guys joining us. And um, plenty of coverage throughout the entire weekend. And we'll be back live on Monday with the weekend recap when Mitch gets back from Boston. So we will uh, talk to you later. Thanks for watching the post-game drink.